0: In three, two, one. Lindsey Craig, everybody. So, uh, Hi. thank you so much for coming on to the show.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Uh, Kiona from the media department at UNLV put us in contact. She reached out to me and sent me a press release about a paper you wrote about pubic hair removal. And I was immediately interested. I mean, you don't just see a paper like that and you're like, oh, you know what, I'm going to pass on this. No, I was definitely all in and very interested in what you would have to say and uh, your perspective on all of this. And one of the first things about this paper that took me was the idea of it being a a comparative analysis. So when you say you're taking a cross-cultural analysis of uh, pubic hair removal, what do you mean by that? Are you looking at specific countries, regions, or is it very broad? Are you looking east and west? And what is east and west in these terms? And just generally, who are you looking at in this study?
1: So most of the research on pubic care Removal practices or pubic hair modification um, is in the Western cultures. So that's in the U.S., the U.K., Australia, and New Zealand, specifically those. Um, So what we wanted to do was look at outside of the Western culture. So we use the eheraf database, um, which is full of over 300 different societies that are outside of the Western culture. So these are like horticulturalists, pastoralists, hunter-gatherer societies um, that don't follow our typical western culture
0: so before we get into those groups when you say they don't follow our western cultural ideas about pubic hair what are those what does yeah. how does oh, so- how do how do western cultures we'll get to that first and then we'll look at the <laughs> cultures that you primarily focused on so we can see the difference what are uh, western cultures what are their ideas regarding pubic hair removal what why do they why do they or why don't they who does it things like that
1: all right. So um, primarily women remove pubic hair in these Western cultures, according to all of these studies. Um, it's about 80% of 84% of women, and then about 66% of men, depending on um, the the different regions. Um, also, a lot of the literature on pubic hair removal is focused on women specifically. So we don't have a whole lot on men, but that's one of the trends that we see is um, women more so than men. And then the literature points towards different motivations for pubic hair removal, um, primarily as a, a ch- changing cultural norms. So um, product marketing for razors or depletory creams um, or pornography production or, and even pop culture. So whatever the popular women are doing, that's what other women will want to do. Um, According um, With the pornography production, there, there is some evidence that pubic hair removal practices have increased since the 1950s. Um, a, a 2010 study looked at Playboy magazine, and there has been a significant decrease in the appearance of pubic hair in those magazines. Um, since 1950?
0: Also, yeah, since 1953.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, Some people also claim that, and this is anecdotal, there's a lot of blogs and things online. Um, Some people say that pubic hair removal is to make the the vulva more visible in pornography. So it could be more erotic. Um, But if you ask the people themselves who do remove pubic hair, they typically say that it's for personal reasons. Like it makes them feel cleaner, it makes them feel more comfortable, it makes them feel sexier.
0: And so in the West, it's a relatively new phenomenon, considering that it's taking place after 53 predominantly. is that be- Would you blame that? Not blame it, but would you uh, connect that with the rise of the access to pornography and the rise of advertising culture and you're seeing more products, whereas before you wouldn't have?
1: Well, there is a correlation okay. between... The rise of pornography and the increase of pubic hair removal, but it's kind of like the chicken or the egg. Yeah, know? so correlation
0: does not always mean causation. Okay. Exactly. So, All right, that that makes sense. Now, and
1: it's not it's not necessarily a new thing either for the Western culture. So, okay. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the Merkins, which is a a pubic wig. Um, no,
0: please explain what the Merkins <laughs> is. <laughs>
1: Um, It was popular in, I believe, the Renaissance era, where women would remove their pubic hair, they would shave it off, and then wear merkins, um, which were stylized wigs for their pubic region, to act as pubic hair. But the reason they removed it was because it was foul-smelling or dirty or uncomfortable. So then they would replace it with a wig. So this isn't the first time in Western history that we remove pubic care, but it is becoming more popular.
0: So the, the reasons are slightly changing instead of being foul-smelling and wanting an interesting design from American, we're doing it because of other influences, societal influences. Yeah. But you also re- reference personal reasons as a large mm-hmm. um, idea of why they do this. They being, you said predominantly women because 80, yeah. 85% of women was the number, I believe you said? 84%. Eighty-four. Yeah. Oh shit! One um, uh, percent. It
1: changes.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, before we get into the glut of what your research was based on, I just I have to know why why is this an interest to you? What what drove you to want to look into pubic hair? I never thought I would ever say what what interests you about pubic hair. You know, that, <laughs> that's never a question I thought I would ask. And I'm so happy I get to. That's that's a great question. So. <laughs> I want to know um, what interested you in pubic hair?
1: Well, um, so I got my background in psychology. I have my undergrad degree in in psychology and something that the reason why I changed to anthropology for my graduate degree was because psychology doesn't incorporate very much of a cultural um, perspective. Okay. So what we learned in psychology and a lot of discussions that I had with people in my research group, mostly women, um, were reasons for pubic hair removal. And it was, we talked about um, the production of pornography and um, marketing for razors. And that was sort of taken as a rule of thumb for being the reason for pubic hair removal. So a lot of my colleagues were talking about, you know, feminist rights and things like that and I started to wonder is it really a feminist issue is it really pornography that's guiding our views of ourself our body image um so then when I started my anthropology degree I um Peter Gray Dr. Peter Gray and I decided to um take a cross-cultural perspective and see if there are instances of pubic hair removal outside of pornography and media.
0: And what'd you find?
1: Yes. <laughs> yes?
0: All right. All- <laughs> so it's not so much um, perhaps in the West we're overplaying the uh, the pornography as the influence because it happens elsewhere?
1: Yeah. I mean, yes. possibly.
0: Okay. Possibly. Pro- probably. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine <laughs> with the probably. I'm fine with the probably. So. <laughs> Where um exactly now did your you said you access a database with other three hundred different cultures, and yeah. um, wh- where were some of the more um, interesting um, groups that you looked at? What were some of the facts and figures and ideas, concepts or whatever, what have you that you found that you came across? And you may have took pause and you were just like, "Whoa, that's interesting," or didn't <laughs> see that coming, or you know, something like that.
1: Probably my favorite finding was the method of pubic hair removal In a lot of these um, non-western cultures they would remove the pubic hair with their their thumb and forefinger
0: oh um, wow that that sounds that sounds painful
1: <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> it would be painful but so they they would rub fine ash onto the hairs okay. and then use their nails From their thumb and forefinger to essentially pluck the hair from from their skin um but the most interesting part of this is that it had to be done by another person so pubic hair removal was often sort of a
0: social event okay what this immediately raises a question for me and i think it would have to do with different um This might be a stretch, but different power dynamics in different groups. Who is doing the pubic hair removal? Because you said, is it still mostly women that are getting their pubic hair removed in these non-Western cultures? That's the first question. Yes. Yes. And then who's removing the pubic hair if they themselves are not doing it?
1: Mostly other women were removing the pubic hair.
0: Um, That was was a shock. I was expecting you to say something different, honestly. (laughs) really (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I really thought it was going to, you were going to say men, and then it was going to be this interesting power dynamic about who controls pubic hair, but I was mistaken. Wow, I misread power dynamics. Shit. <laughs> so it was um, mostly other women?
1: Yeah, older women. Okay. So, so they mothers. Like,
0: was it like a, an experience thing, or what was, was there a specific significance placed on who did the removing, or was it just no. a convenience kind of thing?
1: Not, not that I found. Again, these are, you know, these are older ethnographic reports um, from the late eighteen hundreds to the nineteen nineties. So there isn't a whole lot of information on pubic hair in general because it's not really something you could talk about in those societies. You couldn't just approach them, and a lot of the ethnographers were men, so they're basing their knowledge on their observations. So it's possible. I would say that the older women are doing it for the younger women because it's a transmission of cultural knowledge. Okay. Showing them how to do it pro- um, properly kind of thing. Um, and the women generally would start doing, they'd start removing their pubic hair around puberty. All
0: right. So Okay, so I guess I have a couple questions going from there. So this is all based on information we've received, you said from the mid 1800s to the 1990s and that most of the observations are from men coming into these cultures where exactly is the, are these specific examples happening is this uh is it southeast asia is it in central africa where are we where are we geograph- geographically where are we talking right now
1: it's really all over um, i have some in south asia central africa eastern africa um, some in the um in the Americas, the North Americas, the South Americas, Central America. So it's it's really all over. Okay. Um, but again, these are societies that are outside of what we consider the cultural West.
0: And then, so the ethnographers that are doing these findings, they're, I'm assuming they're not coming from Southeast Asia, they're not coming from Eastern Africa, they're coming from Europe and the United States, correct? Yeah, oh. so... So it's white men in other cultures looking around. Right. During this time. I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: during this time, most ethnographers were Western white men.
0: Okay. So so you would admit there's probably this kind of, uh, I don't want to say flaw, but a shortcoming in the evidence that we have because those guys might not have had the cultural access to actually see these kinds of uh, social events. Pubic hair removal process going down. Oh well, yeah, that I'm, might have been the wrong turn of phrase for that.
1: No, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, absolutely. That's something that we we struggle with when doing ethnographies because women have limited access to men, and men have limited access to women in general.
0: So, back to the um, when the actual removal of pubic hair. So it was older women transmitting cultural knowledge to younger women who in turn would then transmit it to their daughters and does that does that change at some point is there a point in time when we're like oh wait we're no longer having women pluck other women's pubic hair is it uh does it ever come to them doing it to themselves or does that ever change
1: um i can't speak to if it changes okay because these ethnographies are snapshots in time Maybe, over a couple of months of being in that region, yeah, um, so i can 't say whether it changes, but I can only assume it would change in a way that the as they age, they would start then becoming part of the removal process, so
0: oh, becoming well, I, guess, I guess not so much, I mean in their lifetimes as I mean in the culture of through time, from like the eighteen hundreds to the nineteen hundreds to Today, is the practice of the older woman removing the younger woman's pubic hair still something practiced in these regions?
1: Oh, I today I I can't speak to that. I don't know. A lot of these societies are completely different than they were um, then. I mean, these are, as they say in anthropology, upon first contact. um, And now that globalization is has changed a lot of these cultures in some major ways. And and there is actually one example of, of, um, of change where they used to pluck or, um, but then they were the British introduced razors. So then they started shaving. So then I can imagine that if you're shaving, you can, you can do it yourself a lot easier than plucking.
0: Now, I guess the next question I would have would we understand that something is happening and we know the cultures where of this thing is happening now. What's the, why that's the part that I find really interesting is why are these cultures, why do they have these practices in these regions? Does the data or do the accounts kind of speak to that or is it kind of muddied?
1: Well, The main reasons why they were removing pubic hair, and this is for both men and women, was hygienic. Um, They were concerned about fleas and ticks. Okay. And there was one woman who complained that when she would go into the river, she would come out and her pubic hair would be wet and it would get moldy and stinky. So she said that that was the main reason why she removed pubic hair. Um and then there's also an example of men um the Bakari the men use a a hip cord, it's like a belt where mm-hmm. they would tie up the the foreskin of their penis to their um to their stomach, their abdomen and because of that their penis would rub against their pubic hair. So they would remove their pubic hair to keep from getting blisters and ingrown hairs and things like that from the friction.
0: So hold on. They were tying their penises to their stomachs is what mm-hmm. you, Okay. And what is the um reasoning behind that, do you know? Or um The uh,
1: It has to do with it has to do with becoming a man. It has to okay. do with pubic. They did it uh during puberty. So that's when they would start. It wasn't like from birth or anything, but
0: yeah.
1: uh, I'm not sure about the specifics for that. Okay,
0: So it has something to do with the uh, ascendance into manhood, something along those yeah. lines. And um, so then removing the pubic hair was done out of necessity because you yeah. would get bl- blisters, which sound incredibly painful again. Yeah. <laughs> most of these, most of these accounts have a measure of pain involved. I've noticed already from just our brief <laughs> 20 minutes talking now, you said this happen- This is happening all over, these 300 different cultures you've viewed. Are there any areas that have stood out that have been, I don't want to say completely original or apart from the trends, but I feel like there has to be cultures that are, may not have been in contact or had contact with other cultures in which... But then again, I guess cleanliness just kind of transcends boundaries. Yeah. So, um... I guess preventing mold... In blisters, <laughs> it doesn't matter where you're from. No one wants mold and blisters in their pubic hair. Right. Now, is there a larger influence on um, Western incursion in these areas besides the introduction to razors? Does it have a larger effect on the cultural norms, or is it just the introduction of technology?
1: Um, I would say, without any evidence in my study, um, okay. Because again, it's a snapshot in time, but I would say that now, absolutely, there's a transmission of Western culture. Um, just as globalization happens, with the introduction of new religious practices, um, there come there come a lot of changes in tradition and behaviors.
0: Okay, so then I'm interested in the um, the comparison between. The non-Western regions that were the primary focus of your study, and the Western areas that we have an idea of what occurs here, but may not have been the primary focus of your study. What what's the overlap? What's the uh, disc? What are the differences and what are the similarities between them? what What's the what's the overlap in pubic hair between these two areas, these two regions of the world?
1: Well, um. One thing is that we found uh, more societies where women practice pubic hair removal than men did. And that's similar to our Western culture of pubic hair removal.
0: Mm-hmm. We also
1: found that um, the primary reasons were for hygienic reasons. And that's the primary reason in, in Western cultures when you ask the individuals themselves. Okay. Um, there's also some level of attractiveness. So feeling of pubic hair being Less attractive.
0: Is that? Would you link that to the idea that it's uncleanly? Therefore, if it's not there, it's more attractive since it's gone.
1: That's hard to say. Um, but I did actually find some societies where they they found pubic hair to be beautiful. Um, okay. There was one in particular that said that a man was having to choose between two women, and he chose the one who had the most luxurious pubic hair so (laughs) so
0: it's it's different then yeah
1: yeah
0: that's that's interesting because now we're talking about it almost goes to a level of what cultures deem beautiful what cultures deem attractive and that could vary but i i would have to say that i feel like a measure of cleanliness would have to go into that because generally if someone could be deemed more less attractive because you finally get a whiff of their armpits and you're like, whoa, there has been no deodorant applied for the last ten and a half years and how would I ever be intimate with this person if I gag within three feet, you know? Well... Which, that might have been very harsh. That That could have been harsh and unfounded to make that comment, but I feel like there would have to be some measure, some metric in which cleanliness and attractiveness would somehow mingle or be in conversation with each other
1: in a way i i think absolutely now um one of one of the main reasons why why we're so interested in pubic care removal is because we think that pubic care might have a biological purpose um from an evolutionary standpoint so pubic care indicates um um, a reproductive age okay. So when you're ready to, to start making children At least for women um, But it also Might serve as an olfactory trap There are a lot of uh, apocrine sweat glands in, On the, the Mons pubis So mm-hmm. that releases Some fatty acids Which are then consumed by bacteria Which then releases release Some scents that might be Considered attractive to um,
0: the opposite sex. I mean, because you'd have to figure that human biology has a purpose. I mean, aside from what, like, the appendix, we typically don't have anything. And even that's been found to have actually have, do something. Something. So, (laughs) So the fact of, is the jury still out on whether or not removing pubic hair, you lose some sort of benefit that you could incur by... Keeping it there. I mean, I don't know how far your study would go into that, but just did... I, I imagine when you're looking into pubic hair, questions like that may arise or not.
1: No, that's definitely a major question, and um, other other people's studies have haven't found—they um, haven't found an answer to that. So we know that humans, over evolutionary time, lost body hair, but retained pubic hair and auxiliary hair so on the armpits and head hair so why that's the yeah. main question is why did we keep that hair and not everywhere on our body or lose all of it in general and if it is cleaner to not have pubic hair then why do we have it yeah um there are some arguments oh good i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> there's some argument that having pubic hair reduces uh, friction during sex Um, Also, that having pubic hair might um, keep bacteria from getting into the vagina, but then we also have the question of, you know, why is it in men men and women?
0: No, yeah, I... hmm. So, I guess what you're getting at is then the jury's still out on the biological questions surrounding pubic hair. It may have certain purposes but is it removing removing it doesn't seem like it's going to be like critical meltdown of human biological systems we've been doing it now you said (laughs) why why do we still have it if we don't necessarily need it if it doesn't serve like a definite function could there i'm not sure what the effects of like lasering off hair has on the because if hair doesn't grow back you destroy the follicles You still have, like, the gene to pass on hair, though. So I guess what exact—how it would be possible for us to not have it? I mean, through dis or disuse—for use use or (laughs) disuse, but we're still still using it. I mean, it's there. We shave it. It grows back. The only time people don't have pubic hair all the time, I guess, is when they laser it. But even they have to revisit and get it removed again. So I I guess—are we stuck with it, then?
1: (laughs) No, I wouldn't say we're stuck with it um evolutionary change happens through random mutation
0: Mm
1: so we i would see it as a a form of sexual selection um maybe women who have the most luxurious pubic hair are then selected for or maybe the women who are born naturally without pubic hair there are some societies i did find that had um that didn't seem to have pubic hair in general. It was really fine um, okay. and almost invisible, like our body hair.
0: Yeah. So it is possible. So then I guess we've looked at the biology of pubic hair. Now we should look like socially about pubic hair. Does, is there any kind of, um, I guess, social signaling that goes along with having pubic hair or without having pubic hair, much like, you know, a hipster growing out a beard and a nice mustache or uh <laughs> You oh, know, don't get me started on long... facial hair. <laughs> is is that is that so? There is there a link between facial hair and pubic hair? I guess socially or with oh, the.
1: Oh, actually, I I did find that in in most of the societies where men removed their pubic hair, they were also removing their facial hair, and leg hair and head hair. Probably for ticks and lice, but yeah. um, no facial hair itself has a lot of different signaling aspects to it and actually have an ongoing study right now um about men's facial hair
0: i mean i would men's grow skin. it if i could but i can't so <laughs> what are you gonna do Wh- which which is interesting because there are some people in cultures that can't grow facial hair it just never happens for us few but is it can the same be said i know you said there's some cultures that don't have pubic hair but can the same be said largely for pubic hair Is it something most everyone ends up growing
1: yeah i mean mostly but there are some who don't or that is fine you know it's it's like all hair there's variation
0: and now is there um or have there been examples through your studies and the importance of pubic hair grooming is that a thing because you said the most luxurious pubic hair and then you talked about the the merkins so are there examples of cultures placing particular emphasis not on pruning the hedges but on uh styling them so to speak?
1: Oh. Like different shapes and things like that?
0: I'm not so much interested in like just specific examples <laughs> of different shapes but I mean is th- is there um have there were there cultures that placed emphasis upon stylized pubic hair. I mean you see stylized body modification whether it's tattooing, piercing, but not so much for pubic hair.
1: No, um, for the most part, it was total removal. Um,
0: Unless you were in the Renaissance where you put on fake ones.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's outside of my time frame, though. Yeah, no. But, but I, I mean, a lot of them, they either didn't mention how much they okay. were removing or it was total removal. Um, and there was there were some interesting, um, signals. So in one, the Igbo, they did not remove their pubic hair. And if a a woman had no pubic hair, then that meant that she was promiscuous and she would be punished by the men in the, in the culture. Um, and then there were some, uh, which showed that if a woman had pubic hair, that meant that she was not sexually active and that she was not of marriageable age. So once a woman removes her pubic hair, that's usually around menses okay. um, so, or menarche, I should say. Um, that's when she would start. That meant that she was ready to be married off. So around between 12 and 16.
0: So. Pubicare was used like as a signaling technique for different uh, ages of mar- marrying or uh, ability to bear children. Um, why is the emphasis placed upon women and less upon men? Because you've mentioned signaling as a means of why we are removing pubicare, you know uh, not of age, of age, whatever whatever it may have you but. It seems the only example I've heard so far about men removing pubic hair has been just out of sheer utility. We must or else we're going to get blisters and ingrown hair. (laughs) That's not good. Are there specific examples of men removing pubic hair for reasons other than sheer utility?
1: Yeah, actually, there's one that I think you'll love um, where the men of higher status would have men of lower status remove their pubic hair.
0: So so the power, oh, yes, that, power. Is, that is yeah. fantastic. <laughs> so we have one example of utility and then one example of just sheer, exerting power. your power over another. <laughs> that, yeah. That's interesting.
1: If there's, there's also um, in the Shona, the both women and men would remove, would actually stop removing their pubic hair during the a period of mourning. So it was a signal that they were not sexually active. So this example was their child had died. And so they had a certain amount of time that they would have to not be sexually active. So they wouldn't remove their pubic hair, both of them. And then when they were then ready to start trying for another child, they would publicly remove each other's pubic hair.
0: Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. And maybe the... um undergrad in psychology would shed some light on this is it found that couples after a death of a child do have increased sexual activity or is it far less i forget what it was on the study i read it's been a really long time i feel like it's one or it's definitely one or the other it's not going to just continue <laughs> as normal obviously a traumatic event happened
1: um well I don't know exactly, but from a psychological perspective, I would say far less. They would have far less sex okay, uh, just because of the emotional state they're in.
0: Now, does the idea that you have to make a public statement when you're ready to have sex again, I feel like that would have some sort of... It would probably place a lot of social pressure upon your sex life at that point, because then there's a whole... You have the entire uh, community then judging you if you removed your pubic hair too soon or wondering, ah, wow, they must really not care for each other or ready to reproduce because they've taken forever to remove their (laughs) pubic hair. So what's the utility of placing more social pressure upon a couple after the death of a child? Is there any, or is it just a cultural (laughs) practice that has just been handed down?
1: Um... Well, it's definitely a cultural practice that's been transmitted. Yeah. But I don't know how long the morning period was, and I don't know if it was appropriate for them to continue at that point. Yeah. Um, but I know that it would. I'm sure that there was a certain period of time. Yeah. That was.
0: Well, affected. I mean, since it's a cultural practice, since people do this, and then it's a social thing to remove pubic hair. We would almost be certain that there definitely are norms in terms of how long people typically allowed this to occur because you would just probably follow the person that came before you, and that's the transmission of the culture. So we have a power dynamic of men removing hair. We have something to do with mourning when it comes to men removing pubic hair and then out of utility. And then you've just found for women, it's just a coverall. They're removing pubic hair at a much Fast, a much greater rate than men are. And so you would say there's not so much of a power dynamic when women are removing hair. It just has to do with cleanliness and with uh, social signaling.
1: Well, it is more, it's related to hygiene and attractiveness and social signaling. But there might be a, po- a power dynamic that isn't sex specific, it might be a power dynamic from mother to daughter. Okay. Um. And it might be a, a, a form of um sharing between families. So mm-hmm. when you are you know marrying your your daughter off to your son, you have to make sure that that daughter is worth yeah. marrying off to your son. Um. I'm not sure though. I don't have any evidence of a relationship with dowry or whether yeah. or not they were even married off so
0: well I, I think i'm seeing like an interesting connection here and again correct me if i'm wrong but uh again what was the culture in which the men were tying their uh their to the stomachs that was the start with the b right
1: yeah it's a bakari
0: bakari and that's uh, where geographically located
1: let me see hard to remember them all that's
0: yeah. in South america in the amazon south america in the amazon so mm-hmm. uh the Bukhari, the men would tie their um foreskin, foreskin to their stomachs and it was something along the lines to do with manhood could it be said then that the the maternal figure the mother removing pubic hair from the daughter and then eventually the daughter would grow and then remove pubic hair from her daughter is that a ascendance into womanhood motherhood uh is is there any mention of that kind of uh idea of okay this has happened to you for so long now you're doing it to that person so you've reached such a place in which you are now officially a woman or socially seen as a mother you've completed the cycle so to speak if we want (laughs) to use that terminology
1: well you're almost always officially a woman on upon menarchy which is then when your pubic hair would first be removed. But then for most of them, they would continue having their pubic hair removed for their entire reproductive age. And I don't know about post reproduction reproductive age. So menopause, there was one example of a woman who complained about men. um, And she was an older woman and she said that she was no longer able to have children so she didn't care anymore so she did not remove her pubic hair anymore
0: i feel like there's far more than just one example of that
1: <laughs> yes i only found one but uh yeah I, intuitively i would say that that is
0: probably I bet there's at least one for every u.s city around the <laughs> entire continent um yeah now i okay so we've talked culturally we've talked socially so now i guess i'm well, i'm concerned we can get to the. We can delve down into the nitty gritty. I'm interested in technique now. I know that's a weird question about pubic <laughs> hair removal, but we we talked about the forefinger and the thumb, the fingernails, and the rubbing the ash and razors. Did you come across any other interesting techniques used by cultures?
1: Yeah, um, it had to do with plucking,
0: uh, okay. the use
1: of clamshells, or the use of bamboo sticks of bamboo as a sort of tweezers.
0: So like making tweezers out of bamboo. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I I Um, can't imagine clamshells being too conducive for yanking out pubic hair. That sounds (laughs) again, uh, like a measure of pain is involved.
1: Yeah. I mean, they would have to be really, uh, you know, tight. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't have an image of them or anything.
0: (laughs) Oh, Um, let's all be happy for that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, There is also an example of women using a certain medical uh, cream to remove the pubic hair. There was no specific explanation of how that happened or what the cream was, but um, it sort of aided in the removal. So I'm imagining something acidic, like a depilatory cream that maybe helped break away the the hair, Um, but I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I've, I've noticed then that you said you are um, continuing uh, your study on another topic. What was it again?
1: Intimate apparel.
0: Intimate apparel. And um, you already put out this paper on pubic hair removal. Is there an overlap between the two uh, studies?
1: Uh, yeah. So in my current study, which is ongoing for another month, um, I'm, I'm looking at Pubic hair removal practices as well. So, okay. how much women are removing, why they're removing it, and how frequently they're removing it, and if there is any relationship to with the removal of pubic hair and sexual activity in their relationship.
0: Okay, and then, okay, you noticed with the uh, rise of advertising uh, for razors and whatnot. Um, is there a link between the advertising of intimate apparel and um, pubic hair removal? because I, I guess in ads, are you really seeing pubic hair you know pluming out above the um, bloomers, so to speak, or not so much and does <laughs> that somehow relate to the cultural conception that well, women shouldn't have pubic hair, or what's the what's the deal there
1: I think that. Absolutely, there okay. could be a connection, a relationship between the two. Um, and that's part of what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Just because if you look at you know online uh websites that sell lingerie, um, underwear or anything, they don't have pubic hair, you can't see the pubic hair, and it would yeah. be odd if you saw the pubic hair. <laughs> uh, so unless I mean, you're they're... selling
0: Merkins and then it's perfectly natural, still... <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, and there is, there's even a a certain type of underwear called a C string, which is sort of like a a U shaped cup that you put on over your vulva and you can't have pubic hair when you wear that because it, it sticks to your skin.
0: Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So then the actual invention of products are prohibiting women in some instances from actually having pubic hair. Yeah, it could be okay that in and of itself is of interest now the idea that women are predominantly removing pubic hair for reasons of cleanliness who determined what those standards of cleanliness would be is it just like a uh, I'm kind of getting a funky smell. I should probably remove this. Or is it like a social cultural thing in which they're like, listen, Barb, you have not shaved yourself in like three months. You got mold growing out the top. Like what's going on here? We need, <laughs> we need to do something about this. Is it is it far more a personal choice or do you see it? Are there cultural pressures, social pressures playing upon this idea of cleanliness and having to remove pubic hair?
1: I would say... Across cultures, it's a little of both. There's yeah. an idea of cleanliness that's passed on culturally, but also it's a personal thing, whether you feel clean or not. Um, and But it's also whether or not it's sanctioned by your peers, your yeah. family and whoever is seeing it. In a lot of these non-Western societies, they weren't wearing clothing, so you could see. Mm the whether or not they have pubic hair um so it's possible that maybe there was discharge that would get stuck in the pubic hair or yeah. you know like that one woman mentioned mold um, i would love to do a study on the regional differences in pubic hair removal i would imagine that in closer to the equator in more humid areas where yeah. your pubic hair just wouldn't dry you would want to remove it more um
0: well just looking at the 300 cultures that you studied is there some did you find some sort of um correlation between location and humi- humid areas and frequency or these uh no. anecdotes of mold or what have you
1: <laughs> No um I didn't have enough data for that. So of the 300 plus societies that I that I looked at there were only 26 who specifically mentioned pubic hair removal. So That's a huge um, downside of my study is that a lot of these societies, the ethnographers, again, older white Western men, didn't mention it.
0: That's very British of them (laughs) being very reserved. It might make you blush to uh, mention because, again, I guess it would be hard to have a study on this topic as I guess we would at the time when these studies are happening, it would be considered taboo. It's something you just don't talk about. Right right and it's simple. did you find any uh blowback when you were like hey i'm gonna start doing a study on pubic hair and some people might have become guarded and what what are you doing a study on you know oh is, yeah is there still <laughs> this like taboo around talking about what we do with our undercarriages
1: oh yeah i mean even though i study it i still blush when i talk about it um, yeah, I go to conferences and and people are really interested, but it's it's awkward to talk about it. Um, I think people want to talk about it; they want to know about it, but it's so odd. Um, and it's something that you know I've been talking about sexuality since my undergrad,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but it's still it's still challenging, especially with older groups. Like when yeah. I told my grandma about my study. <laughs>
0: No, I, I could see that and I'm trying to think of like what the, what the reasoning or what the um, why that would be why that occurs because we've we found so far that what 84% of women remove pubic hair um, so many people are doing it, everyone has it, but yet we are uncomfortable when talking about it right. Do you, Could that again relate back to the personal reasons in which we, why we remove pubic hair, oh, it's unclean or, uh, you know, it's, I keep going back to this example, but I I love saying pubic hair is moldy because I think it's hilarious, but, um, (laughs) is it, you know, is it, since it's something that we can see as being unclean, we don't really want to talk about it. You know, we, we guard ourselves about it.
1: Um, I would say it's less about it being unclean and it's more about it being sexualized.
0: Okay, but... And now sex is, is
1: something you have a hard time talking about.
0: Now, is the pubic hair itself sexualized since it's... Or is it the lack of pubic hair that is sexualized with the rise of uh, pornography and whatnot?
1: I think it's the, it's, it's the image of the region in which pubic hair grows. <laughs> so, talking about your genitals, basically... Mm-hmm. Is what you're doing is that those, yeah. that's your pubic area uh and that's just it's not culturally accepted yeah a lot of
0: the time which i think is interesting because some of these cultures in the 19th and 20th century are having essentially what are social events of removing pubic hair i mean when a man and woman go through a mourning phase and then they shorn each other's pubic hair in front of <laughs> is is it is it in view of the community like yeah. or do they go in, so it's out in like a public a public square or whatever it's yeah. not like in the house and they come out hey no. it's removed <laughs> yeah is there and like, you didn't find anything having to do with it being a shameful act
1: um there was only that one example of women were considered promiscuous if they did not have pubic hair and they would they would be um punished Pretty severely. There were there. I did find an instance of rape that I did not include in my study because it didn't specifically talk about pubic hair removal. Um, and there were a couple. There were a lot of other societies that I didn't include because I was only including the ones that said that they removed their pubic hair. But there were a lot of
0: explicit mention.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of different um, stories. About pubic yeah. hair, even rituals, um, medicines, um, mm-hmm. mythologies, and those were amazing, and could be a totally different paper.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually what I was going to ask about. Are, since it seems to be like a in some cultures a socially determined practice, were there legends or mythologies that would include mentions of pubic hair, or at least implicitly mention pubic hair? Is, was that a um, was that a phenomena or was that kind of wishy-wash here and there, but not really as widely spread as this the actual act of removing it?
1: Um, I'd say that the mythology was actually more frequent, um, but it was a lot more diverse. Yeah, there were there were some that used pubic hair, actual pubic hair in their artwork
0: Um, So so the pubic hair was the actual medium of the art. They weren't depicting pubic hair. They were using pubic hair. Yep.
1: There was one that they would make a ritualistic mask with the pubic hair. Um, But my favorite, trying to find it so I can give you the name.
0: So far, my definite favorite is the ritual mask of pubic hair. That sounds... um, (laughs) Almost sounds like a prank at this point in uh, today's, <laughs> today's culture.
1: No, I think you're gonna like this one. All right. I'm to
0: do not worry. I'll let, I'll edit out any long pauses. Okay. I say I'm gonna edit things out, but then I'm usually not editing them out. I think it gives it more flavor. <laughs> and then I'm just me ad libbing over silence for a moment.
1: I have all of my I have my raw data pulled up in front of me because a lot of the stuff that I've been telling you isn't actually in my paper. <laughs> Um, the examples that I'm giving. Oh, but this um, bonus
0: to all the listeners. You're getting extra <laughs> information.
1: It was just out of, outside of the purview of my paper, so didn't
0: fit. When did the paper drop, by the way? like When, when did you uh, release this?
1: Um, I submitted it for publication in December of 2017, and it was published in I want to say the fall of of last of
0: 2018 okay oh, has boy. the response has the response been favorable or has there been any controversy surrounding it
1: um in the academic world it's been really great it's been favorable but i noticed that in the social media world it hasn't been favorable and that's just because how so Um, I had a couple of people argue that um, that it's just it's a pornographic phenomenon and I would try to explain no it's I mean yeah maybe it is here that's a possibility there is Mm -hmm. definitely a correlation but the most amazing thing about the data that I have here in these 26 societies is that they have no access to pornography, no access to media and, um, commercials about razors and spray creams.
0: So you're Um, getting an unadult, unperverted look at pubic hair removal practices that are un, um, inspired by pornography as an example. But so you found, um, that select few were arguing, for the relevancy of pornography and are they essentially saying that pornography is detrimental yeah. to women's view of their own pubic hair?
1: Yeah. That's what they were saying. Um, and it, it, it very much could be, I'm not saying here. that it is. Yeah. It could be here. I mean, I, I would, don't know. I didn't ask that question, but
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I definitely could see coming to that agreement like okay yes there probably is definitely an influence of pornography upon self-image of women but my main question is i guess you would have to look at who views pornography then like how much of an influence would it have on women if women aren't watching pornography again i don't have those numbers myself but then i guess if men are watching there would be an argument for power dynamics about Well, you know, some guy suggesting to his girlfriend, you know, be more attractive if you shaped your pubic hair, whatever, have you. But that argument could also be considered a touch uh, weak, considering that there's plenty of examples, as you have found, of pubic hair being removed without the influence of pornography. I mean, it may be a multiplier. Maybe it increases the rate at which women remove pubic hair. But there was definitely a disparity between men and women removing pubic hair free of pornographic influence.
1: Yeah. There's, there were differences in, in frequency and in the reasons for removing.
0: Which is, I feel like that in of itself would kind of begin to dismantle the argument made against your paper. But again knowing the groups that are probably making these arguments, I doubt it would. (laughs) No, it wouldn't. (laughs) No, no, not, not at all. Um, (laughs) But again, talking about anything in terms of culture without raw data, raw data, as you have is, is hard because then they base most of the argument on personal experience or anecdotal experience of those that have spoken on it. So, um, yeah, I could just, I'll, I think it's a muddy topic.
1: It is muddy, and it, it, it depends on who you ask. So if you ask a sociologist, they're basically looking at raw numbers and making assumptions based on those raw numbers. Mm-hmm. If you ask a psychologist, they're looking at the you know body image and, mm-hmm. and the psychological effects of this, this power dynamic or the influences of pornography on women. Um, but from an anthropological perspective, which is why I love anthropology so much, is we don't have a personal view of what should or shouldn't be, because everything's different in different cultures. So what might be considered a power dynamic in our culture might be completely different in somebody else's culture. Yeah. Or how they view it. So
0: So I guess now you've kind of opened up a can of worms for me that I'm interested in. uh, Working through the opposition that you have found perhaps on social media to your paper it i think you and i would agree so far in our conversation that pornography seems to have some effect it, it would um, have to exert some influence whether great or small there would be some influence that's exerted would you how would you weigh in on that
1: um intuitively i would say there there would be some influence uh, for the people who are watching or even participating in pornography. Yeah. Um, but statistically speaking, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. But statistically speaking, you found that there are disparities in pubic hair removal, irregardless of the prevalence of pornography or if pornography could even be present in a society.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: But again, that doesn't really matter, right?
1: Well, well, in our Western culture, there is definitely a relationship. I can't say if there is an effect.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: But there seems to be a relationship. And like you said, it could be that young men who are watching porn without much experience with real women might have different expectations about what pubic hair in women looks
0: like um and there's been studies that go even beyond expectations in terms of pubic hair but sexual expectations of yes. what the actual act itself looks like because it does not resemble much of what occurs in pornography
1: right <laughs> yeah there's been some research on that and i'm less i'm less well versed in that
0: <laughs> yeah no th- yeah we sh- we don't need to delve into that i feel like just mentioning it is enough there but um Treading back a little bit, did you find that technique that I'm going to enjoy?
1: Yes. Okay. Um, it wasn't a technique. Uh, uh, it was a oh. mythology.
0: Mythology, yes.
1: Yes, it's my favorite. Um, it's the Kogi is who it was. Um, and they had a myth that the mother, who was essentially their god, their creator, um, she created first women. And then she plucked pubic hair from herself, planted it in the ground... And those pubic hair sprouted into penises, which then became men. And I love that one.
0: <laughs> so the creation myth largely is just based on pubic hair. Yeah. Now, what's interesting, though, is it's um, the creator in this case is female, right? Yeah. She's it's the, a, mother. A mo- the mother. The mother, the mother. Which is an interesting archetype, but usually the creator archetype we found in many cultures to be an uh, omnipotent being that is always referred to as the he or right. that, that, that's an interesting that's an interesting mythology. It's also interesting that it's it's very it's so similar to other mythologies, you know, I mean, you take a rib and make a person out of that. But in this case, we're taking pubic hair It grows from the penis, which is how you would, you know. Prolong and persist the society, and then it grows into a person. That, yeah, you're right. That that is my favorite one. It's fantastic.
1: That one was awesome. Uh, yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> so we're, there we have it. We've talked about what society. We've talked about biology. We've talked mythology. What? Any other interesting findings in your paper before we uh before we call oh, it a day?
1: Yeah, there was one more that I wanted to mention, and is right. the the English society. And they did not include this in my data, but they had, they have different terms for pubic hair for men's pubic hair. It was called crotch hair. And for women's pubic hair, it was called women's sex organ hair. So it just shows that there's such a distinct difference between the perception of men and women.
0: Yeah. Just through terms. And I'm assuming in that culture, women did they remove pubic hair at a greater rate than men as well?
1: I don't know. I didn't include okay. That one. We didn't
0: go that one. That, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Again, it's it's interesting because all all the evidence that you've presented so far just suggests that there there's this perceived difference between pubic hair on men and pubic hair on women. Yeah. And therefore, women for some reason remove pubic hair at a greater rate, just generally. Is, well, is there? It seems-
1: i would say that it's because it is as a a signal of of reproduction okay so there's something pubic hair is signaling a reproductive state in women Mm -hmm. um and the removal of the pubic hair is a cultural adaptation uh signaling the reproductive state um but there's there's something unique about women's pubic hair, um, that makes it so sexualized.
0: Yeah. Now, is does it is there um again on this idea of signaling? Does pubic hair on men does it do anything in terms of signaling virility or manliness? Yeah. You know. In- yeah. There was uh,
1: there was one society where a man a boy wasn't a man until he removed his pubic hair.
0: Until he so, removed his pubic hair.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. That's, that, that is interesting, because I would have expected the different, the the inverse to be true, that someone is not a man until they grow pubic hair, you know? Right. Because typically, it, you know, there's the, You know, in high schools or whatever, it's like, oh, he didn't grow leg hair yet. I guess he's still, you know, still a kid. Or where's the armpit hair? Or for some reason, we there is like this strange cultural link, at least I've noticed in eastern U.S. I I can't speak for many other regions that there is this uh, perceived notion that more body hair uh, is in some ways manlier. But yet this culture finds that you're not truly a man until you remove pubic hair. Right.
1: And that's just—I think that that uh, is a great example of the Western cultural perspective. Yeah. Um, and just the idea of having more body hair, being more manly, is is very Western. Yeah. Um, and in, like I said, in a lot of these societies, even if they didn't mention pubic hair removal, they a lot of the men were removing their facial hair and mm-hmm. their head hair. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and their armpit hair and their leg hair. And that was more common than the pubic hair removal, for men at least, that I found. But um, they would even go so far as to tweeze their facial hair the same hmm. way that they would do pubic hair. Yeah. So it depends on the culture.
0: Yeah, it, it, does, <laughs> it, does, it does depend on the culture. And then I guess, I'm just, I'm just curious on who's, setting the rules so to speak you know if um, right. like as we were talking about in the west there's this western idea that more body hair is considered manly therefore it is perceived that women should remove their body hair because it's manly to have a lot of body hair but it's interesting in cultures where it's manly to remove body hair and yet they expect the same to be done to women so there's like does it not have the same uh, same overlap I mean you know is body hair not so much seen as a sexual function, but are they using other ideas, right. I guess?
1: I think it's 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 less seen as masculine. It's seen more mm. as clean, cleanliness.
0: Yeah, cleanliness.
1: So if you have less hair, you have less risk of getting fleas and ticks, which is a yeah. real problem if you're living outside.
0: <laughs> and I guess, as we're getting close to calling it, it would be interesting to look at for more studies like this to occur now to see what the introduction of more products that maintains cleanliness or better hygiene, um, better ideas of hygiene spread due to globalization or what have you, how that affects pubic hair removal.
1: Oh, yes, I would love to do that. I, um, I know a couple of people who are going into the field in the next couple of years, and I've been asking them to ask their people about pubic hair removal of course it's it's an awkward thing um you don't want to offend anyone um or be insensitive so
0: (laughs) yeah because from like an academic standpoint you really want to ask the question you know are you still removing your are you removing your pubic hair why are you removing your pubic hair is it for sexual reasons or is it for cleanliness or but again it's hard to do this study because in an the question in and of itself is considered a taboo in many cultures to even talk about it, or at least in the Western sensibility, we don't really want to ask these questions. We get kind of nauseous about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, my current study, and I um, I did want to mention that I have the preliminary data. I have almost 400 participants. I need about 100 more to be completely satisfied, but I have a good amount. Um, and about these are all women. I'm only looking at women in the study about between 75 and 80% of women are removing their pubic hair. Um, and the main reasons, number one was t- they felt cleaner. And the number two was they felt more comfortable. So it was a very, very personal reasons. It wasn't for their partner for, because of their peers or, um, because it made them feel sexier, though that was one of the reasons. Um, and then, interestingly enough, when I was looking at their reasons for using intimate apparel, whether it's during the day or at night, it's just whenever they use it, their main reason was to feel sexier to themselves. So it's a very personal reason. Um, and that, those are some of my interesting, more interesting findings. And I, And I think there is a relationship between women's women feeling sexier about themselves and thus having greater satisfaction in sex with their partner
0: so that would you say that seems to be the um the link you've noticed between pubic hair and intimate intimate apparel is that it often has this very uh personal touch to it i'm doing this for me not so much for anyone else yeah that's that's interesting Mm -hmm. I, i guess um I guess your uh, the cultural norms in your head would have you uh, expecting or suspecting that it may be something different. Maybe it's something a little more sinister. But no, it's, <laughs> um, it's actually just very, very inward and very personal, which may be why it's so taboo to ask about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, people don't um, like when you ask about who they voted for in the last election. How do you think they're going to ask if they shave or wax or what have you?
1: Depends on how anonymous the survey is.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess it would.
1: yeah my survey is completely anonymous but people still feel you can tell by the dropout rate when people start dropping out is when they have to answer those personal questions about pubic hair
0: yeah that's um i guess that just speaks to our cultural conception about our genitals
1: (laughs) yeah yeah
0: well there you have it everyone lindsay thank you so much for coming on oh thank you once this uh, next study's finished and there's a paper I'd have to come on again. I'll have to talk about it.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to be finishing it up here in the next month and then hopefully get it published next year sometime.
0: All right. So, well, hopefully the podcast is not defunct by then and we're, we're still <laughs> rocking and rolling. And we'll definitely have you on. I'm sorry. There's been some like ambient noise. My neighbor decided to start cutting his grass and then I could hear him. And I apologize if you hear any weird humming on the, on the feed. <laughs> um, so we talk again. I will be in a different location. So there won't be any of this, uh, goddamn annoying neighbors. So that, that'll be, that'll be nice. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, as interesting as I thought it was going to be, actually a little bit more. Um, especially <laughs> when it came to mythology and, and technique. Um, seashells and blisters and mold and penis plants, yes. all very,
1: <laughs> <Science>.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, thank you so much for coming on. Um, if anyone on the, any listeners want to find you um, if they want to get very mad at you on Twitter or where, <laughs> where could they um, do you have any kind of what's your Twitter handle or anything like that?
1: Um, so on Facebook, I'm just Lindsay Craig. That's my Facebook name. Um, and then on Twitter, Twitter, I am at Lindsay K Craig.
0: All right. Well, I'll be sure to put those in the link for the show and I'll put a link so they could uh, check out what the paper's all about. Uh, Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on. And um, thank you. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye.